looking at something. We have a very difficult guest today. Wow. <laughs> That's a great intro. Yeah. I think you should be happy to be known as difficult. Difficult in the best possible way. You're like yeah. a creative yeah. genius. That, Some people wow. would be like... <laughs> Just Sears, going through like all kinds of highs Sears and lows already. Really difficult. It's a weird story. Like Robert De Niro. <laughs> I didn't see this coming. But thanks. You're welcome. So, today we're interviewing our friend, Sierra. Do you want to say hi? Hello. It's me, Sierra. <laughs> I what? made it. Why are we talking to Sierra today? Why is she important? Sierra's so important. Reasons. Because she's another one of our great female students who don't nearly get enough attention. I agree. As they deserve. Especially because not only is Sierra a female student, obviously, she studies women's history, which is like one of the hardest histories to study. That was a quote by two of my thesis advisors were like, they literally said, women's history is one of the hardest because you're searching for her existence within a man's records. Ooh, I yeah, like that. Which hurts, but it's also yeah. the truest yeah, statement you can fair. make about women's history. And externally, there are people that don't believe that it's a thing. True. They're like, why? It's not real. There's no such thing as gender theory, feminist theory. These are fake. Yep. I think, though, you'll find that the people who say that are men, usually. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh. But again... Yep. Fair. You Good said point. men's records, but it's also like a men's yeah. world still. Uh-huh. Despite our department is has a lot of great female Yeah, I was surprised when I came professors. to Wayne and there were so many female professors, honestly. Yeah. In the history department. Um, because I did my undergrad at Saginaw Valley and there was one full time Northern was female the same way historian. Mm. I don't know about MSU. I mean I knew a couple of female Didn't historians. You go there? But no, yeah, but <laughs> it wasn't my main major. Yeah, yeah. My main major right. had no women right. professors at all. The college did, but my major, no, no, no. Women don't do that. Well, you know what, though? It's sort of interesting because we have that great women's presence at Wayne, and then and then there's also the pushback of women's history isn't a real thing because studying at Northern, where it is, it's a small department of starters, and then there's only one full-time female, and then there's an adjunct female professor. But I never heard from any of the male faculty there. You can't write that. That's women's history. They were always like, yes, pursue it, pursue it, pursue it. Oh, because that's good. they wanted you to chase down whatever you were passionate about. They never were like, yeah. women's history? You yeah. can't write about women's history. What's a woman? <laughs> <laughs> or my favorite um, that I heard in our department from a student was like, I don't see gender. Which is like, I don't see race. Which is a problem, because... Tell me later who said that. <laughs> I think the thing is, is I think the person who said that was well-intentioned, but it's sure. like... Sure. Well, and, and I get it. You know, you're trying to say, oh, I'm above this, but, sure. but yeah. by not by saying you don't see it, it's already part of the problem. You have to see it, and then you have to recognize, what can I do to be a part of the solution, not the problem? Right. I walked into that classroom, and there was another young young man there who was trying to be like, he knew that that was like a wrong statement, but didn't quite know how to correct this person. And so then I walked in, he's like, Ray can take this, which I wasn't mad at him for that because it was like flattering. He thought I was like, knew what I was talking about and things like that. If he was a different person, I would have been like, you can't just assume. I could have been really like on both of them, but he was trying to be good about it. So Yeah, I, th- I mean, I just think that uh, I can understand that it's like somebody trying to be well-intentioned but it just doesn't make sense logistically right because again it's like falling into this trap where you're pretending that only females have a gender and that you're not constantly acting out and performing your own gender every day when you wake up and every decision that you make Right. You're constantly performing your own gender, whether it's entirely female or male or if you're somewhere else in between in the spectrum, it's always performative and everybody is doing it. Yeah. So to say that you don't see it, I guess 
to me actually sounds more like you're not paying attention. Right, and it's this form of erasure. Yeah. Trying to say like, well, we're I'm quote unquote past it, so let's ignore all this stuff that's actually happening right now. Right. That's a problem for that involves everyone. Right. Regardless of gender. Right. And there's like there's a lot of issues going on currently. Always. No. Where gender is uh, a major tenant of the problem or what's up for debate. So just to try to remove yourself from that conversation is strange. And um, to comment on your other interaction with the younger male student. Yeah. Well, I can appreciate that he knows that you can handle the conversation. And he was. And he I, might not have had the words to do it. Yeah. But it is annoying, mm-hmm. like, to be the token yeah. who can handle the conversation. I hate having to explain that to, like, men as it's, like, especially in the framework of Me Too. Yeah, we can go out there and we can tell you all of our stories, but first off, you gotta stop calling us liars and acting like this couldn't possibly be true. Jerry couldn't be, like, this molester. Yeah, he is. He right. broke me in the back. It happened. I'm sorry. And second, you have to be part of the change, too. We don't want to move past you. We want you to be right here with us saying that enough is enough. Right. We're tired of this. You all have sisters, moms, girlfriends, probably daughters one day. Be a part of the solution. Stop being the problem. Right. Right. But I will say that that argument doesn't always work either. Trying to remind them that they have, you know women in their lives because then they're always like well it's not my sister even though we know that the me too is kind of saying yeah it's all of us they can still wrap their head around this and idea then, of like but my my counter to that is even if it is your sister were you listening when she told you right like my significant other and i were like had this conversation and i was like you know what nobody believed me when i was the one being sexually assaulted at speedway nobody believed me i, right. I quit that job because i was trying to explain that as so i was like you can say that it's not my, and but it probably is, and she probably just didn't tell you because she didn't want to right. tell you, or she doesn't want to have to tell you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Well, that's how you and I met, Sierra, was being, like, looking around the room and being like, oh, where are the ladies yeah, at? Yeah, we're the only two ladies here. <laughs> um, there was one other, but we were, like, the only one age-wise yeah, in our well, particular and, yeah, orientation. Yeah, she was also a PhD candidate, yeah, so I think we that like, there was... And it was orientation, so there was, like, nerves. already a lot of nerves. Like, yeah. how do I align myself with the people here? And I was like, I saw you across the room. I was like, hey, you. you. We're friends now. Yeah. Um, I agree with, like, just the distance that people create from the issue. Like, I went on a terrible date a couple years ago, and this suitor tried to explain to me that rape culture doesn't exist. Oh, jeez, that's a horrible like, date. <sighs> Knowing you, too, I can <laughs> only like, oh, imagine. I got this phone call. I gotta take this. <laughs> I was like, this you is... grab your purse and run. Gloria Steinem yeah. called. I gotta go. I just, like, sat there and argued with him for probably 30 minutes, and then I was like, but I don't and understand. this was a date. Yeah. This is a first date. Oh, my God. How did this topic come up? With Sierra, I can only imagine. Yeah. I don't even remember. <laughs> I, Other than, like, being enraged by it, I try to black it out of my memory. <laughs> but um, I was just explaining to him that, like, pretty much everybody knows somebody who has been sexually assaulted or, or harassed raped or, or harassed. Yeah. And, um... That by you saying that rape culture doesn't exist, you're invalidating people's experiences. And then you're also just being totally blind to everything that encourages people to continue to assault people. Right. And then he, like... You're like, that's the definition of a rape culture. He then explained that, like, his... He believed that his aunt or mom had been sexually assaulted. And I was like... So how disrespectful is it for you to pretend that this doesn't exist? And then I thought it was hilarious because we left the restaurant and I had parked back behind the restaurant, like, I don't know, maybe a block or two. 
And he was like, well, I don't want you to walk alone to your car. Let me walk with you. And I was like, the only reason that you feel like you need to walk with me is because rape culture exists. And the reason I don't want you to walk with me is because of rape culture. Because it's ingrained in your mind that I could walk to my car and I could be assaulted. That's the only reason you think you need to walk with me. So what did he say to that, anyway? He asked if I wanted to go out again. (laughs) I was like, there's no way! Lose my number. (coughs) Yeah, yeah, that's probably the worst date I've ever been on. That was terrible. We um, in we just did self defense at my dojo. I thought you were gonna talk about the worst date you've ever been on, and I was like, yes, I love this (laughs) one. Let's start this (laughs) This line of questions. No, No, we just did. You came to one of our self defense classes, so we teach karate regularly. But every once in a while, we'll do like. We call it street clothes self-defense. You just wear your normal clothes, what you'd wear every day, and then you learn how to defend yourself. So we did that with our regular classes, and we realized that some of our students didn't quite know how to teach all the moves. So in our private classes with our elite students who also teach, we were like, okay, we got to reteach these, but also teach how to teach them, okay? Mm-hmm. So with one of our classes, we got to a point, and we had a student request, and and one of the moms was there of one of the students. So it was like parent was involved. Wanted to know what happens if someone is on top of you. So, it's, you know, this is a serious topic. But like if someone is straddling you and choking you. Yeah. Or have your hands above your head. And we don't normally cover those things. But we looked around the room and our group was very like mature. They're still young high schoolers and stuff. We had one girl that was like. You could tell she was physically uncomfortable with this line of questioning. So we told her she didn't have to participate. If she didn't want to do it, like, she was young. And yeah. it's like, you can wait. It's, it's fine. I understand. But she did end up participating. And we did girls with girls and guys with guys. Like, you know, if they, we weren't going to, like, make anyone uncomfortable yeah. that way. So we did it a little bit. And the girls were giggling. And, like, that's pretty normal for their age group and stuff. But I could tell the girl was upset. So I contacted the mother and was like look we covered some serious topics tonight if she has any questions or you have any questions let me know turn in this whole thing the mother was very upset that we covered those topics and all this stuff and it just turned into a thing and my thing and as long as along with my senseis was like we if you think about it like a doctor like we have a duty of care so if i'm telling boys and girls whatever you're a black belt and you know this girl's not quite a black belt but anyway you're a black belt when you leave us and you've got an adult belt whatever you're going off to college you can defend yourself if i look you in the face and say that and i haven't done everything to teach you something for every possible scenario that we can think of you know it's not a guarantee but if like i know this scenario can come up and i didn't teach you how to defend yourself like that's on me that's on us as teachers yeah so like This mom is just in total denial. I was like, and I was talking to my parents about it, and I was like, does she not watch the, you know, the the testimony about Kavanaugh? Like, because what we were covering was that exact scenario. Right. Did she, did this, this girl must, she's in middle school going to high school. Like, these conversations are everywhere right now, especially. I mean, they've always been around, and kids make rape jokes and stuff. But I was like, this mom was in such denial. And at the end of the day, I was like, I'm happy. The girl could feel uncomfortable and scared and upset. And it's like, I'm the mom. And the mom clearly didn't know how to cover these topics. And that's hard. I get it. But I'm not going to apologize for, like, ensuring your daughter knows how to defend herself. Yes, it's awkward and weird if you have a friend have to get on top of you to, like, show you how. But I'd rather you do it once or twice with in a safe setting than if something happens. Right. Well, and it's self-defense. Right. That's so. defending yourself. And also, bullies can get on top of kids, yeah. you know? They can get and pummel on Yeah, like, that's not necessarily an entirely sexual situation. Right. There are other ways in which that Yeah, could any, anything could, yeah. So well, you know, honestly, I think that the boys weren't thinking of it in a situation like that. Yeah. I think they were thinking of it as, what if I get pinned down by this bully? Right. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of the older girls were immediately like, yeah, because yeah, this, this is a conversation that's, I mean, it's got to be happening at lunchroom tables in schools all over, you know? You'd be surprised. <laughs> but I, I know that kids can be really sheltered, and, like, I understand that. But also, it's like, you put your kid in karate, your daughter, like, right. 
you put your, I mean, it's not, it, we've come a long way from what it was, but like, it's still not the number one sport for girls. It's not like every woman has their daughter in karate. Like it's not dance. You put her in this, in this thing where you want her to learn to defend herself. Well, that something like that could happen. We're going to teach you to defend yourself. So, and then in our full adult class, we taught everyone and like, even the men wanted to see it. And my sensei by then, like, was feeling too injured to like perform it. Like, cause he would like show it with someone and then like talk us through it. So I, I got to demonstrate, which was like with another young female, which was like kind of fun. Cause I had wanted to try it some more to make sure I could teach it. And like, if I had friends that wanted to know or something like that, I could know how to do it. Right. So that was good. But yeah, it was just like, you can th- like parents and people can be like, can blind themselves and their children as much as they want, but this is the world that we live in, unfortunately. Yeah. And it worries me. Yeah. That people just like don't face it. <laughs> what a fun, happy topic for a Saturday evening. Yeah. Although this is what you and I are like all the time. I talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Although this is sort of a good segue into what Sierra wrote her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Sierra, what'd you write your master's? Well, first off, both of you have graduated. Congratulations. Thank you. You should Much feel really proud of yourselves. I do. Yeah? <laughs> Allie's not so sure, but you're yeah, you're proud. I'm proud. <laughs> I'll take it. You should. You should feel great. I saw you got your diploma. Yep. Official diploma. I sure did. Did you frame it or leave it in its little case? Here's the deal. Yep. Diploma frames are so expensive. Yeah. And... I never did anything with my undergrad diploma. To be honest, I don't even know where it is. Mm. Take it to Michael's. Use one of their coup- their 40% off framing coupons and go get yourself a nice frame. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I only know that because one of my coworkers, because like we were talking about like what you do with your diploma, and she's like, well, the- I bought the fir- my mom bought the first one, and I was like, oh, that's too expensive when I got my master's degree. So she's like, I just waited for the Michael's coupon. And- yeah. I mean, down there. I had, I had my big MSU frame with like the MSU emblem and everything. Uh-huh. And then our house burned down and I think it survived and it's like in the basement somewhere, but I just haven't had the heart to go down and look for it. Yeah. And I feel like I'd have to c- get it cleaned anyway or yeah, new, a new one. Yeah. So, you know, but my one from OCC is over there on the wall. It's just in the, the like the oh, yep, I right see it. size frame for the little diploma. Because, you know, the big ones, it's like the diploma yeah, is this big, but like the frame is like this mats. big. Yeah. Yeah, I went to, yeah. So. I don't know. It's in the little book right now. Did you look at it? Yep. Every day? Touch. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Once was enough. <laughs> that's what, Got I mean, the that's Instagram what I think is that your... I'm going to put it in this frame and then I'm going to hang it in my living room. Well, I guess people put it in offices. Yeah, I don't want to have, have a offices. permanent office. <laughs> So what have you been up to since you finished? I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Well, what'd you write your master's essay on then? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. No, it sounds like I've been this doing is a something. short topic. <laughs> I've been doing something strange or something. Hey, man, have... it's life's a struggle sometimes. Yeah. I'm just no very tired. You. Yeah. Trying to find a job. Um. So yeah, to talk about my master's essay. I wrote on the progression of marital rape law in the United States since the 1970s-ish. And basically my argument is that the United States government and our traditional views and understanding of marriage have permitted husbands to rape their wives, rape their wives for centuries Mm-hmm. without uh, giving women any means of uh, recourse or vindication or justice. And the uh, law started to change in the 1970s with like the growth in second wave feminism and women being more confident in their ability to express bodily autonomy and reclaiming their own bodies, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, But really the essay (coughs) focuses on two cases, the first being uh, Oregon v. Rideout, 
1978, she was the first woman to uh, successfully charge her husband with rape while they were still living together. Um, he was found not guilty, but it really started conversations across the country about whether or not it was possible for a husband to rape his wife mm. and whether or not women had rights to refuse sex with their husbands. So, Fascinating. I remember really, I, w- I was privileged enough to read your master's essay. <laughs> and I, <laughs> Lucky you. I, I did feel lucky. And um, I remember reading it and like finding your case studies really fascinating. Thank you. And, really, and, and to think about, too, like, you know, we're historians, we know that everything has a history and we haven't come here from nowhere, but just as my immediate reaction and, like, or if I was maybe 10 years younger in, in high school or whatever, would have been like, of course you can't force your wife to have sex, right? Like, we yeah. grew up in, after the 1970s and, we, you know, thinking those things mm-hmm. and, like, and having, t- you know, TV shows and, like, Law and & Order and stuff on. But then to read the history and, like, where it started, I found to be really fascinating. Yeah. And important. Thank you. Um, I, I do like talking about it with just random people. Like, <laughs> I like to just bring it up to people at work. Sure. When they, you know, I don't, like, just bring it up out of nowhere. Like, hey, guys, guess what? So, uh... Marital rape. Yeah, marital rape. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Normally there's some sort of context leading into me starting this conversation. But anyway, um, I didn't know the specifics of when the laws would change. I have known about Kovacher for a long time. I've always really uh, been interested in the history of marriage because I think that uh, it's just such a strange union. Right, especially when the state gets involved. Yeah, like, there's just so... We think of it as, like, this, like, modern romantic thing, and the government is so deeply involved in it, and, like, societal expectations are so deeply entrenched in marriage, and marriage is, like, the baseline unit for how the government can influence our behavior. There's not a smaller unit for them to enact um, their power over us. And typically, in heterosexual marriages, there's a patriarch at the head of it that can maintain this control. And a lot of the way that we define gender is monitored through marriages. And I like to talk to people about it who don't necessarily have a background in the history of marriage or don't have a background in history at all and are just their careers have taken their some them somewhere else their interests are elsewhere and to see people not like come to grips with the fact that they've never thought about it right yeah like they've never thought about the fact that a woman should be able to refuse sex with her husband like Maybe they assume that, right? right? Like, I, I like maybe they're married and they assume. Most people's knee-jerk reaction would be like, of course. Right. But then, like, you start to think about um, the really interesting ways that sex can just happen because, you know, you, got, you just give in. Mm-hmm. You submit. And a lot of women are submitting to sex that they don't want to have. Right. And is that right? Yeah. If you're submitting to sex with your husband because it's been a couple weeks and he complains a lot. Yeah, duty. Is that rape? Because the marital contract for the longest time put men in this place of like patriarch where they were responsible for creating financial stability. You're supposed to take care of your family. You're supposed to make sure that all of their needs are met, and um, the wife is supposed to perform her wifely duty of being there for psychological support, to take care of the family in uh, raising the children, 
And so both sides are supposed to be getting something out of this. And a large part of what men are entitled to in a marriage is a woman's body and a woman's sex. And so with that in mind, in this contract, though it's not written out, like you must have sex with your husband whenever he asks. Right. It's implied. Well, and it and is implied for so long. And it doesn't help that you have, you know, generations of women telling their daughters. Right. This is what's yeah. going to happen in the And marriage. it's going to be terrible, right. but you're just going to have to lay there right. and, have to and do, take you it. You have to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. If you're lucky, he'll be gentle. Right. Yeah. Right. And it, it also is, like, so deeply related to this idea of how we value virginity. Mm-hmm. And we make virginity a commodity. And we turn sex into a commodity because you should save yourself to give yourself to your husband. But does he have to save himself for right. you? Right. Absolutely not. As though he has earned the right to your body. Your body is a gift. <coughs> and your body is a gift. Don't get me wrong. Your body is a gift. Anytime you give it to someone, you've given them a gift. Yeah, sure. But it's not something to be traded and valued and devalued. Well, and I think that relates back to our initial discussion more broadly about rape culture. Yeah. In that if if their duty as patriarchs is is to protect and, you know, oversee the household and protect, then they're protecting you from other men. Right. And, yes. And you see that in some of the earlier literature on yeah. this subject. Of like family units and and how society developed these ideas about partnerships and not even partnerships but marriages, right? And that was like, well, your father and brothers protect. We're supposed to protect you and your virginity, and then they give you to another person, and now that's his job, right? But not from him. Well, in a large no part, no one protects of you from him. Why your father and your brothers and your family? were protecting you and protecting your virginity was because there was an economic benefit to right. it. They could benefit from you being a virgin and they could get money because of it. Right. They could get more money if you were a virgin. If you had been deflowered, you were economically useless to them. Mm-hmm. So they're protecting you, but they're protecting you for their own benefit. Right. I'm not saying that they didn't love their daughters. They but, probably loved their daughters. Well, it depends on but. which time period you're looking at. Yes. And, and even within the time period, it depends on the individual father. For yeah. sure. Some were like, ugh, a daughter. Right. Disgusting. I always try to do that to my dad. I'm like, Dad, if we lived back in such and such a oh, time, no. could I marry whoever I want? <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course, honey. <coughs> no. <laughs> right. You're lying. Well, I always joke that because, like, because I, I have an older sister. Yeah. That it, it would become more of my choice because my older sister would get promised yes. to, the, yeah. to the really horrible person and I'd yeah. have more choice. Oh, And yeah. I'm more of a daddy's girl than she is. So I'd be like, Dan, I don't, I don't like this one. I don't like that guy. I always have talks with friends about, like, if you lived, you know, would you have been a witch or would you have been, like, a nun and stuff. I was just talking with my friend about yeah, that. Yeah, when you said witch, I was like, wow, a witch sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I would have been... Because you're an educated woman, and like, you wouldn't have gotten dragged to the convent. Yeah. Yeah. You and I would have... We all would have been... Let's be honest. We all would have been witches. Oh, totally. In their, in their sense. Yeah. Because we're all too educated. Yeah. We all have opinions, and we all wouldn't shut up and go to the convent. Yeah, I yeah, feel like... 100% I, I would not join a convent. I feel like, yeah, I was just having this conversation with my friend, and she was like, yeah, I probably either would have been... She was like, I, well, I hope I would have been a noble. And, and then she was Everybody like... Everybody wants to be a noble. <laughs> married off to, you know, someone or join the convent. And she was like, I would have become Mother Superior or whatever. She's like, I better run that shit. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's cool. I was like, I probably would have gotten married off to, like, a... High-ranking rabbi would be my choice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would, I would want to be a witch, but I would want to be a witch. Oh, uh, yeah. 
like a real, I would, like, yeah. yeah. I would want to know like witchcraft. A, yeah, I wouldn't like midwifery. Want to just, like, you could join, yeah. go into midwifery. That's a lot. There's a and lot of mystical stuff with the vagina yeah. down I don't want to just be accused of being a witch. No, yeah, you want to be doing shit. I want to be doing Cast witch Casting spells. Shit. Yeah. See, Give me the books. Helping ladies. I don't know, because, and see, then maybe I would have ended up in the convent. I think really, you would have, To Allie. a certain point, the only place you could be an educated, accomplished woman was in the convent. I think you might and have so also been, been with my friend and, like, been running that shit. Like, she would have been in the convent here, up north, and you were, like, down south, and you would have traded letters. Yeah. Honestly, I think she and I would have been cool, and I would have been like, just leave me alone so I can do my research, okay? Yeah, right. How come I'm doing, sister... Sister Alexandra's work. She's doing research. <laughs> Leave her alone. She's trying to fi- find these Don't witches. You what yeah. Sierra and Rachel. They're running around be, doing yeah, witch I would want to be like a social oh. justice witch. <laughs> I don't I, think I would have turned I'd on my fellow witches. my spells. No, you're a nun. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I was definitely, I mean, compared to both of you, I was definitely not going to survive very long. My people don't last. I mean, maybe. I mean, I'm here, so someone in my family yeah, managed I mean, to last a long time. Somebody it depends it. on what time period we're talking about. And which, which area. Where, like, yeah, where, where were the Jews were alive we? at this time? Yeah. 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 And where were they moving to to survive? Also, right. I don't think that you really need to limit yourself like that. Like, I understand <laughs> the history of it, but also, I wasn't actually a social, social justice witch. <laughs> sure. And I mean, I maybe you I don't know in a past life. Anyone in my family was a social social justice witch. <laughs> I, isn't, but, isn't there a new? There's a book that was out in the last couple of years about witches, and it was about like what we owe them as women today, and and like and like that you should hope that your ancestors were witches. Damn, or, I don't remember. There I was some that. line from the. It, book. We would have to go really far back in time because my family came to the U.S. in 1603. So my mom's side came to. really early. Must be nice. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm always like, you know, my family fought in the Revolutionary War. You're one of those War. people. Did you? I could be part of the Daughters of Yeah, the why don't Revolution. you fill out, yeah. do yeah. all your research and fill out the paperwork. I already have it on Ancestry. But you gotta, you gotta, like, apply to become a daughter yeah. of the American Revolution. I know, but they want money, and, and yeah. I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm, you know, It's ready like to... all old people. Those yeah, societies so desire. It's a waspy thing to do, for it's, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. Which just makes me think that you wouldn't have been a witch. <laughs> <laughs> See, guys, that's what I'm saying. I would have been stuck at the convent. Yeah. My, yeah. My mom's side, they were very poor. They probably, probably there was a witch. Let's all hope there's a witch in our background. Yeah. You mean, um, witch unleashed, untamed, and unapologetic by Lisa Lister? Possibly. I don't know. There's been a couple of new books about witches in the last couple years, I think. I think this is the one you meant. I believe that. Yeah. Oh, witch is a wise woman, a healer, yet for so long the word witch has had a negative connotations. In this book, third generation hereditary witch Lisa Lister explains the history behind witchcraft, why identifying as a healer in past centuries led women to be burned at the stake, and why the witch is reawakening in women across the world. Yes, that sounds like a great book. She sounds like she is a social justice witch. Yes. She obviously is. She's searching for social justice for yes. witches. Do we have to call this episode Sierra, or can we just call it, like, social justice witches? You could put social justice witches You could call it social justice witch Sierra. <coughs> there you go. Go find your witchiness. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse my coughing. I apologize. Let me see want to watch Sabrina all over again. Yes. Oh my god. Sabrina's such a But why is it so dark? (laughs) It's visually dark. No, the filming of Sabrina's worse than Game of Thrones. Because Sabrina's so, like, dark on the screen. Like, the only thing you can sometimes see... Sabrina. Do you know what I really complained about in the the really dark episode? It's not that it was dark. I knew it was going to be dark. I was like, this is too much <laughs> i've had enough i had enough about 20 minutes ago stop that, it yeah well i didn't watch this move the story <laughs> forward i've had enough of this uh sabrina's a great show and she invokes lots of like really cool people from history and she's it's like, just a cool show it's just a lot of fun although i didn't like did you see it do you watch it do you care i you, go ahead 
I didn't like what she says at the very end of the last episode of the most recent season. Yes. You need a break, sister. Yes. Everyone needs to relax and calm down. focus. You need to graduate. Yeah. Go to school. I also just finished, um, I was three weeks behind on Riverdale and I just watched their finale and that shit's bonkers. I mean, it's always been crazy. I think I only watched the first season of Riverdale. Yeah, because this was season three. It's so. just too much teen sex. It makes me it's feel ridiculous. uncomfortable. It's ridiculous. I these, don't want... These are not teenagers. I know they're not teenagers, no, no, but, but like, I don't want to watch people who are pretending it's so to be funny. 16 pretend to have sex Teenage with each sex. other. Yeah. I felt that way during the Vampire Diaries. I was like, first off, yes. y'all are 30. Second off, I don't think that you guys were all interdating as much, nor do I think people spend that much time having sex with each other in high school. They none do. Of you, none Everyone. of you were in class. None of you were doing all that's the how extra I, yeah, yeah, that's Riverdale, yeah. When well, are you guys going to do your homework? homework? Right. When I got home from homework and that, when I got home from school, after swim practice, I only had enough I was time a swimmer too. to eat dinner and then go to bed and then get up the next day. Yeah. I wasn't out there slaying vampires or contemplating having Letting vampires or, slay you. Yeah. No, lay you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Riverdale's nuts. Um... They don't do school. And then they'll mention it. They'll be like, <laughs> they, don't do they don't. They're like solving crimes. There's serial killers running amok all over the fucking place. And then they're like, but what about prom? And then they'll make a joke basically to camera. We still do that here. And I'm like, no, you don't. Because there's five million serial killers in this tiny town in upstate New York. You don't do prom. I felt that way about vampires. You need to move. You need to move. Leave. There's always something supernatural going on. I still around, want to watch that. And then that. there's like a decades dance going on. And you're like, why couldn't we have these decades dances in high school? <laughs> yeah, we you never had You guys are never in dances. class, but they let you go to the dance? Yeah. Uh-uh. That never would have happened in I, my Should school. I watch Vampire Diaries? We are off on a tangent, but I like it. Uh, I watched the first two The, fir- the, the thing is, is, have you ever watched any of Shonda Rhimes shows? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, Vampire Diaries is like that. That it, like the first couple seasons are really good, and then it hits a point where you're just like, I cannot buy into this anymore. And so, so like either all these people in this hospital cannot be having sex with each other. There's a lot of sex in a lot of these. Or shows. why? How many times can these people die and then bi- basic barely yeah. get brought back to life? No, that's the problem with Vampire Diaries. Is the first season is so good, and the first couple seasons, and then you hit a point where you're like. I they really, write themselves into am corners. Am I really supposed to buy this? That's what, that's what it sounds like. I think the story is interesting. I just think that, like, it's not great acting. Oh, sure. I'm not worried about that, though. So Which it's one? like, eh, Vampire <laughs> Diaries. Yeah, but who specifically? <laughs> I'm not going to start. Spill some tea. Yeah, I'm not going to start blacklisting people <coughs> in this podcast. Yeah, we have a couple hundred subscribers. Who knows who's going to be listening. Right. They might love Nina. <laughs> but I thought that and that's fine that's their choice <laughs> no it's she's probably really the nice the first season's really good and so if you if you like the first season then keep okay alright because I, I watch a lot of television to be honest it so. is, it's good for that but yeah I feel like a lot of shows these days it takes a lot to keep me interested because I, I'll hit a point around season two or three and I'm like really I mean, you're talking to someone who's stuck with, like, the Big Bang Theory forever. Dude, I, I love that show. Supernatural. I love Friends, and that's, like, ten seasons. I hate Big Bang. Well, right. <laughs> like, I, Coming I'm not, out strong yeah, against me. I hate it. That's, that's fine. I mean, I liked it a lot. Did you watch the final season? Uh, no. But I watched it on YouTube. Yeah. I watched clips of it, so I know everything that happened. Oh, but. yeah. I watched the final season. I'm like watching Parenthood right now. And Great show. Here's my problem: is I love Gilmore Girls. Yeah. it is like the temple within it's, which I worship. Like yeah. she, Lauren Graham is my yeah. lady, and I just keep watching her as this in this role. And like I'm in the first it's season. It's hard. So spoiler alerts to anyone who hasn't seen Parenthood, a show that's a couple years old and no longer wait, running. I might start watching. It's it, really good. It's I think you okay, like it. Go ahead, say it. I was watching it, and then she starts dating the English teacher, and I'm like, did you not learn anything from what happened in Gilmore Girls? Did you? Did you not? She plays, like, a worse version of Lorelai in Parenthood. I know, but that's the, and that's the thing is, I love Lorelai. Like, Lorelai is my parenting goals, and to see Lauren Graham go this other way. You know like, the guy on there that's her brother is her husband. Well, they're not married, but yeah. Yeah. 
her partner, Peter whatever Krause. they call. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever these Hollywood people want to call it. They don't well, want to enter into this good. marriage contract. Good. Although there are a lot of perks, and, and the government and, gives you a lot of perks. And there's a lot of problems. Well, that's how if Big you're Brother not... regulates you. Yeah. So they give you exactly. rewards for. See, yeah. I wa- brought all that TV talk around back. Here we are. <laughs> back at. We made it. We gotta put signposts. So, what made you want to pick that topic? That's a good question. Like that, that specifically, because I know you study gender history and like, mm-hmm. but like, how did you zoom in to that? Well, I need to think. I forget. Well. So I started it in the seminar class I took last fall, and the, like, prompt for our project was supposed to be something to do with democracy and difference. And so I started to look at just um, governmental interference in people's lives. And I have always really been interested in sexual violence history. Like, that's really what I say that I study when people ask me. <coughs> so, are you okay? Allie's slowly dying. <laughs> I don't want her to Allie, choke and die in the middle of house? the podcast. It's not. You've been here. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I had to ask that. Yeah, you want me to go back to talking now, Ray? Or do you want to talk more about Allie's first time at your house? (laughs) No, continue. It's very special for us. So, um, yeah, so I just studied sexual violence history, and I came across the Oregon v. Rideout case, and I was like, oh, wow. So this is when it became illegal to rape your wife, which, by the way, it still isn't universally illegal to rape your wife. Um... Don't give anyone any, any ideas of where to well, live. Well, give people ideas to <laughs> start doing their social justice yeah, witch true. stuff Although, and get these laws changed. And here, Agreed. and I will say this because I did study law, not to, like, I, I, we did study laws my undergrad, yeah. and that's what they said is they said a lot of them, it depends on, because someone could, you know, it could be allowed in the state, and it just requires so much effort sometimes to repeal these laws that, like, someone they could literally... Sit. They just, they don't repeal them. And so someone could be like, I'm going to press this. And even if there's a law and the husband's like, well, the, you can't do that. They'll be like, like the Department of Justice or whatever within the state will be like, yeah, we're not, you can't do that. We're not enforcing this law. So yeah. she, can, she can press these charges against you. Right. We're not giving you this Yeah. This the background. problem is, is that a lot of times they are still enforcing them. Yeah. So, um, like the most recent case that I mentioned in what year? my, this Scare, year. Scare yeah. Uh, actually 2017, so, um, her name is Jenny Thiessen, she lives in Minnesota, she, uh, found a video of her husband raping her while she was asleep, and then she realized that he had been drugging her and doing this, like, more than once. Like Bill Cosby. And, so, yeah, and the guy is a creep on top of that because... They also later found out, they found videos of him, he had installed cameras in the women's restrooms at his workplace. Sure. So. Sounds about right. Um, she tried to bring charges against him, and, uh, his attorney called her attorney, and he, he was like, hey, by the way, you can't do this, because there is a, um... Within Minnesota's law, it's not illegal to rape somebody, rape your wife if they've been drugged. It's it's like a weird clause. Yeah, it was worded strangely. And so they were like, well, shit, we can't go forward with this case. And then um, after that, she went to the state house and she started to press for the law to be changed and the um state senate or state reps were like oh shit this law is still on the books we can't allow this to continue to happen like we have to better protect people and so it passed through the house i think it was getting presented 
in front of the Senate. When you finish up yeah. your research? Yeah. So yeah, we'll see it what happens. Forever. So, like, it's still happening. People are still getting away with raping their wives. A lot of people uh, don't know that these laws are still not entirely changed. Right. Um, I was going to ask you about the um, archive that you went to. If you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, for my research for the paper, I went to the University of Illinois um, at Urbana-Champaign. And their university archive houses the papers of the National Clearinghouse of Marital and Date Rape. And it was awesome. Yeah. Um, this organization was awesome. And <coughs> just the things that they kept track of, like they had state by state charts that were like hand drawn charts. And they would track every case that they knew of that had happened in a state and they would track like, okay, names of the couple and what her allegation was, what happened, was there a bail amount? If so, how much, um, how many children did they have? It like tracked ages, it tracked, um, race. It was, there were just like these super cool charts of like these amazing, volunteer women who were trying to change the laws on a state-by-state basis and um just some like really cool things laura x the woman who started the national clearinghouse used to do speaking engagements and i found a letter that someone else in the national clearinghouse had sent out to a place before she was going to do a speaking engagement Mm -hmm. and apparently laura would get really terrible migraines and she was very sensitive to scent Mm. so they sent out this letter ahead of time like hey by the way don't wear perfume don't have anything scented you need to adjust the lights yeah like laura's very sensitive and i just thought it was so cool to like see this very personal aspect of this (coughs) woman who was doing all of these great things and like oh by the way you can't wear perfume in her presence That reminds me of um, The Hunting Ground. I don't know if either of you saw yeah, that yep. about campus yep. rape. Yeah. But, like, that's what those young women did was they, yeah. they they saw this was a problem on their campus and then they started tracking it and charting it and yeah. reaching out. And still, like, you know, the National Clearinghouse, that was, like, imagine the, the women hours that was put into that before computers and before phones and like the way we have ubiquitous phones today and technology and and even like with the hunting ground they was slightly pre like social media a little bit it was just starting to be a thing so still so much work being done yeah i yeah i just wanted to make sure we talked about that because i don't think a lot of people know about that national clearinghouse i didn't was the the group still active um they lost funding so no surprise there. Um, well, another interesting thing, because I was curious, like, how... Sierra's gonna bring it back. She's gonna be like, F this. Hey, by the way. Social justice witch stuff. That's yeah. right. Just gotta call Laura, make sure she's okay with it. S-J-W. <laughs> not social justice warrior. Social, social justice, justice witch. witch. Um, so I was like, why are these records here? Yeah. Why would these be here at the University of Illinois? And... They have a letter from when they were determining where they were going to deposit their records. Mm-hmm. Um, and initially, they were going to give them to the Kinsey Institute. Yeah. But, um, Kinsey Institute wanted them to be less political, and they said that they, representatives of the Kinsey Institute would never be able to say that marital rape is wrong because they I just made a face no one could see that on the podcast yeah. I made a very confused face in Sierra's direction because they're not they weren't allowed to be judgmental towards people's sexual behavior oh yeah so sure. I saw the movie about Kinsey but yeah okay so Laura X and the other women at and men National Clearinghouse and the people who are concerned about these records were like yeah, sorry, but no. Right. Like, 
we believe this is wrong. That's why we started And this. we need to be able to be loud and proud and say that this is wrong. Right. So, um, the University of Illinois took the records. But they were right originally in California, right? Yes. Yeah. The National Clearinghouse was in California in Berkeley. Interesting. Yeah, I find, I sometimes find the way things end up in different archives and institutions to be fascinating. Yeah. And that's, like, not uncommon, that they they start with one place, and then they say something or do something that doesn't align with their message or desires, yeah. and they're like, never mind. Like, George R. R. Martin's, all of his papers and everything are, are in Texas. Yeah. yeah. Huh. But just, you know, like, of all places, it's not like he's from there, it's not like he went yeah. to school there, it's just like... He, like, met with the archivists and liked them and what they were doing. And I find like, lots cool. of, like, photos that are of, like, Upper Peninsula events at the Ruther. Yeah. Like, guys, <laughs> these don't belong here. Yeah. <laughs> Give I, them back. I know that our um, local artist, who's a world-renowned artist, we have a park, but he started the Legacy Art Park up north. And um, his papers, well, those papers for that are at the Ruther. Because he also did a lot of, like, organizing of artists and union yeah. stuff. And he made um, Transcendence, which is the big arch in Detroit. But <coughs> we at the like local library also have a bunch of his papers. And I'm like, I feel like we need to figure out, maybe give all of his stuff to the Ruther. But it's not my job to say. Well, right. I, and then, um. And laying on the papers I was working with, the organizational records are at the university, but her personal papers are at the public library. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that as yeah. long as, you know, you can say, like, as long as, <coughs> what I would do is just put a note in the finding and just say, the records of this are at such and such. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's helpful that it would, it's split, like, between organizational and personal, because then at least you know, okay, it's not. You know, yeah, what you're looking yeah. at. So did you find out about that clearinghouse through, like, secondary source and someone mentioned it? Or how did you find it? Um, I found, like I found it in reference to Oregon v. Rideout because that's really what sparked Laura X's concern uh-huh. about the topic of marital rape. And that's what got her on her state-by-state um, quest. quest to end marital rape. And then I was just looking up the National Clearing House because I, I was curious if it still existed, if where it is, if I would be able to find access to its papers. And then I found out it was in Illinois, and I was like, this is actually a place that's semi-accessible. It's not right. like I can go there for an extended period of time, but it's better than them being in California. So I just made a weekend of it I guess awesome. a half week out of it yeah it was really great I think that I had the constant researchers dilemma of just like feeling like there was more information than I was going to be able to process in any amount of time and I came home and I was like damn I wish I would have just started taking pictures of everything the last day because there's so much more information. Yeah. Well, eventually you have to write the paper, though, right? Right. So. And I can't stay in Illinois forever. <laughs> well, as much as we'd like to. <laughs> we can't stay in this podcast forever, either. That's true. Do you want to ask her the fun questions, Allie? Sure. Oh, we haven't been having fun this entire time. I've been having fun. I love this conversation. Oh, my bad. I mean, I you're... Think this is a really conversation yeah well you were concerned about being compared to others this has probably been one of my favorites so far oh so you're just gonna put it out there that i was concerned <laughs> is the that's embarrassing is there still a law in place in michigan i guess where was the place that you were most concerned to still see anywhere i don't well, want women to get raped by their husbands anywhere but unfortunately as we've seen in but recent they do weeks, people don't care as much about women in alabama or you know, yeah. Georgia. Or well, the Ohio. Place, the place or... that took the longest to change the law was Michigan? Was Alabama. In oh, I Alabama. thought you were going to say Michigan. I was going to go, guys, stop. I'll go petition um, Gretchen. I know she'll change it if we, we start now. Let me see if I can give you some information on Michigan because I really didn't focus much on Michigan. Um, well, I would like to think that Michigan is rather progressive, but I think that Michigan 
I remember correctly, it still has a law on the books where a wife has to ask her husband for permission before she can cut her hair, so. That's unfortunate. It's a good thing I'm not married. Um, they were relatively progressive. They started, uh, they were, like, one of the first states to really work on rape reform, rape law reform. Um, as of 2003, our status for exemption was a partial exemption. The law had been changed in 1988, and a... Husband cannot be charged solely because his legal spouse is under 16. Also, a spouse cannot be charged solely because the victim was mentally incapable or mentally incapacitated. Which was similar to the Minnesota idea. Um, Oh, yeah, because she was... Spouse is immune from prosecution for criminal sexual conduct in the third or fourth degree if actor knew that victim was mentally impaired, mentally incapacitated... Or physically helpless unless <coughs> force was used. Wouldn't nope. the drugs technically be forced though? Because he gave them to her? But immune if you knew. You're immune if you knew. I mean, do I think that drugging someone is forcing them to have sex with you? For sure. What but, I don't understand about I that mean, is what lawmakers, <coughs> it seems, want to happen is they want there to be physical bruises. And broken bones for you to prove. That I'm sorry he didn't beat the shit out you. of me. Right. And, and how <coughs> the way that the uh, legislators were talking about the law around the time that the laws were being changed is that they thought that this was a, a case of assault and battery. They didn't think it was rape. Right. Like when these cases came about, they were like, we don't need to change the laws because this isn't rape. Right. This is assault and battery. Yeah, and they can, they, the police, it, the you know, we talked with um, Leon about policing and police states, but as far as um, with race, if you look at the policing of women and, like, protection of women through police, this is a misnomer because they don't want you to protect yourself. They don't want you to fight back. If you're being attacked or raped, this um, stranger rape on the street, let's say. Right. They, the police prefer that you do nothing and then hopefully survive and then come to them. If you fight back and the guy gets injured or whatever, mm-hmm. and but still manages to you know assault you regardless of full penetration or not, that's a much di- difficult case for them. Much more difficult because you fought back and now that person's hurt, even though you're defending yourself. And st- all the states have different, like, rules about when a defender becomes an attacker. Mm-hmm. And the state of Michigan, as far as I know it, is once they're, they go to the ground, if their knee hits the ground and then you attack more, you've become the aggressor. So if, if someone were to attack you and then you get them on the ground, I mean, the whole goal is always to get away. But, like, don't attack again once they're down. You hear that, listeners? Get them down run. Yeah. Basically. Well, Sierra, I think that, you know, the time is ripe for you to change the Michigan law once and for all with Gretchen in the office. And yeah, we'll just set up a campaign. We'll get you to run for office now. Well, I think that... You know, I thought about running for city council when I lived in Ferndale because there were a couple people running unopposed. Oh, like, really? There, there were the exact number of people running for the number of slots that there were. Yeah. And I was like... Well, I think that the thing is, is people don't know these laws still exist, and so I think Sierra could start with her... Yeah. State senator. Yeah, for and sure. Work yeah, way people up don't to the know. Top and you know, if Governor Whitmer gets when this law is still on the books, it won't be for long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. One more thing. We talked about TV shows. Have you read any good books lately? Before we go. Uh, I just finished Michelle Obama's book. <gasps> nice. I haven't. You should read it. It's okay. It's I always kind of struggle with like biographies, memoirs, autobiographies. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I do. Okay. And so it took me longer than it should have. Yeah. I kept, like, picking it up and then putting down, picking it up and putting it down. But then probably the last half, I just totally absorbed and sped through. And it's just, it was so cool. Like, it's so cool to know more about her. And, yeah, because like, she was very private. Yeah, of, for like, a long time. 
their lives and her life <coughs> and like where she came from and how she really didn't want Barack to be in politics. Like, she was never really interested in it. Yeah. And she didn't want him to run for president, really, but he wanted to, and she was like, okay, how am I going to tell you no? And then just her trying to find her place as first lady and what her power was in that position and the different things that, like, her different initiatives. When we were at McDonald's today and I saw, like, they had the little milk advertisement for the kids' menu, I was like, that's Michelle Obama. Yeah. Because it would have been pop. Right. Well, we're all out of time and we're going we're gonna to go meet someone, see an awesome movie and have a good time, right, guys? Let's go see Booksmart. Woohoo! All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. You going to say goodbye, Allie, or just be silent? Goodbye, everybody.